AT, what's happening, man? Not too much. How about you, Jeff? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We just ended uh, half of a full decade, which is feels like an accomplishment, a, even though it's a, just... A lot of time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it's just the passing of time. So I just wanted to ask you, what genre do you wish we can just leave in the last five years and not bring with us? <laughs> a two-part answer. Okay. Um, so the first half is just the name, and we talked about this briefly, but the name PBR&B yes. uh, for alternative R&B, it was a mistake. <laughs> uh, he he didn't. I forget that journalist's name, but he, it, it was a joke. He was not being serious. It was a tweet, so we do not need to call things PBR and B any longer. <laughs> <laughs> It's not even useful. You know, some things annoy me, like post-rock annoys me, but it's at least useful. But PBR and B describes musicians that don't even have that much in common besides right. like it's R and B the hipsters like. But right. but my real answer is probably I I enjoy dubstep as much as the next person probably, but what it's become uh, in pop culture I can do without. I'll take the post dubstep elements. I'll take the James Blake and all that and see where that goes, but I think I'm done with, you know, like Rihanna dubstep songs uh, and dub, dubstep everywhere all yeah. the time. Adding a dubstep break into a Mumford and Sons type song, like I, I I'm just completely done with <laughs> with that part of musical history. <laughs> it can, you know, not it can, you know, wait Wait 30 years and there'll probably be a revival of it as with any pop music form, but I'm done. <laughs> oh man, are you ever right? But I, I think the correct answer is actually Witch House. <laughs> See, I was far enough removed from Witch House. Like, I, I didn't have to review it or anything like that. But I enjoyed it as a phenomena happening in my peripheral. Treblezine.com has been producing independent music journalism since 2003. Bringing the conversation to your headphones, this is The Audio File. So, Jeff. What's happening? It's been pretty cold uh, here. I don't know about in San Diego. It's, uh, well... (laughs) Cold for San Diego. Right. I wouldn't say cold in general, but cold for us. Tell me your cold weather story, your cold weather moment. What's it been like over there? Well, because we're so starved for cold weather, because we had such a hot summer in some of the surrounding county areas, it actually snowed. And so basically everybody in the county decided to drive out there and we got <laughs> kind of stranded on the highway just to, trying to get there. Just to see the snow. Is that like Just to, to witness the to snow witness firsthand. It. That's what it's like here. We we never get snow, so when it happens, we just go nuts. Yeah, it's like summer all year long there normally, right? Kind of, yeah. So spring, summer, yeah. even fall doesn't really uh, happen that much. Wow. When I got back from, I was in San Francisco for Christmas. When we got back here, it was like seven degrees, which was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not as bad as it's been in some previous winters. But then it kind of mellowed back out to like the 20 degree winters we have here. But this week, it's actually been like getting up to the low 50s. It's been like early spring here. But the most annoying thing about that is you'll you'll go to work or you'll go to the market or whatever. And you'll, you'll be like, hey, this is awesome. Like, it's so warm because, you know, with strangers, you talk about the weather. And so many mm-hmm. people around here will be like, yeah, but it won't stay like that for long. Uh, so that's probably the... <laughs> Uh, what a jerk that's man. the worst thing about really bad winter i feel like is it just puts people in this mindset to not not even be happy when it gets warm again they're like yeah right. but it won't last it'll be winter again next year uh so it's just the inevitability of of the life cycle that we go through 
<laughs> but at Treble, we are not curmudgeons. We, we decided to assemble a list of fireside records. That can mean a little bit of a different thing for each record, but but five or six rather fireside records. So Jeff, why, why don't you start off with your first one? Tell a little about about the record and why you thought it was a great kind of winter companion. Well, the first album that comes to mind is Yola Tango's mm-hmm. And Then Nothing Turned Itself Inside Out. I have kind of specific associations of listening to this record in winter and it's a very kind of uh quiet slow low-key kind of record um yola tango you know in their kind of more fiery moments they've been known to rock out but this is one of the records that they put mm-hmm. out that's a little mellower a little more um more of a lullaby record and um it just kind of sounds like winter, you know, kind of sounds like a still evening. And uh, it's just, it's a really pretty record. And, and uh, the more I listen to it, the more it just becomes one of my all-time favorite albums. This is probably the closest thing you get to like a Yola Tango Dream Pop record. Yes, like, probably. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it makes perfect sense as uh, a winter record. It's, it's an interesting kind of record because to me it feels a lot like winter and it was actually released in the winter of 2000 mm. so you know it's it kind of was perfect timing but you know the more I think about it the more it could also be kind of like a late summer record like uh, right. you know what one last kind of romantic fling at the beach before you have to go back to school or you right. know, whatever you do in the fall keep working <laughs> yes <laughs> go back <laughs> to the grind keep working but yeah. now it's not not summer anymore yeah um, yeah. I, I actually think the first record I chose, I kind of, I took a different theme sort of for what I meant by fireside record for each record. So this was sort of my falling asleep by the fire, kind of reflecting by the fire record. And, mm-hmm. um, it's actually been a really important record to me over, over the past couple uh, months. It's bare medicines. The moon has been all my life and they're, mm-hmm. they're a, a true independent band they're an indie folk band from lexington kentucky and they're actually a band that i played a show with uh, a house show uh we went we went down there and played a show and and it was just a really great experience and they released this album like a month later this album the moon has been all my life by bear medicine uh, it at times reminds me a little bit of early elliot smith uh in that mm-hmm. the singer songwriter joshua wright just plays these gorgeous uh ballads on guitar it's all all about intricate guitar work with um these sort of melancholy sometimes depressing uh stories and imagery laid over on top but it's a full band that includes a cello and percussion and flute or keyboards depending on what the fourth member is playing in the song and there's a little more on the album to kind of make that a little more robust with some standard bass and things like that but it's just this really soothing half hour or so of uh indie folk that um is familiar in a way to other indie folk uh, especially like my morning jacket and other stuff that's come out of kentucky but also has this pretty cool feel that I think is pretty original. So it's a great record that I'd say anyone should check out. And especially during the winter, it's definitely a fall and winter record, a kind of dismal affair. Smoke curls up, 
you've you've definitely captured my interest and um that's going to be one of the first things i do once we uh we wrap up this recording cool so my next winter record my next essential winter record one Ah. everybody should listen to um it's an album by the the late jason molina who Mm -hmm. has kind of a kind of a sad biography he he died in 2013 pretty young i believe he was in his 40s Mm -hmm. um but during during his his life, he put out a lot of really great records, um, and this is one of them. It's uh, under the name Songs Ohio, and it's called Didn't It Rain. And this came out in 2002. It was the last album under the name Songs Ohio before he started up his second band, the Magnolia Electric Company. And it's one of the quietest and most intimate sounding records that he ever put out. Um, and it's it's got a kind of like bluesy quality about it. And it's it's mm-hmm. absolutely gorgeous. But there are certain moments on the album that are just pin drop quiet where you can almost hear what's happening in the studio as they're playing. It's just it's there's a lot of really beautiful guitar work, a lot of amazing vocal harmonies. And it's, uh, you know, when it's when it's late at night or when it's raining or just pretty much any time. This is one of those records that just sounds amazing. See it from the bridge out of Hamlet. from the bridge out of Hamlet. see the big city It's a heavy record, and it's it's a it's a fucking dirge, you know. Yeah, it is. It's not for the light of heart. Yeah, uh, I live in Bloomington, Indiana, where Secretly Canadian is based out of, um, and has been mm-hmm. for uh, quite a stretch. And it's interesting because I I moved here, I think, from Indianapolis a little bit uh, after he died, and he actually died in Indianapolis. Um, he passed there, and so it. Mm-hmm. I I was into this record before, uh, and I put it down for a little while and then for the reissue i reviewed it and it's been the first time that i've really dove completely into one of his records since he passed and it's just been a really in a beautiful way but a really brutal experience to kind of hear these songs and hear them saturated with that real depression because you know you you listen to a singer songwriter um like elliot smith or someone else who uh their tragedy was part of their art but mm-hmm. to live in a place that they were around and possibly see things they saw and just you know go the bars they've probably been to and that kind of thing it's just sort of i don't know it's been a really sombering experience and i'm kind of seeing another deep layer of this record and my point being that it's just such an onion and that i i think you could go your whole life giving this record a rest for a couple months and coming back to it and you could find something new every time if for how minimalist it is there's so there's so many layers permeating throughout uh just yeah one of my all-time favorite records right now in this moment yeah and so funny you chose it because i've not been able to put it down this winter either yeah i actually um I spent a lot of time listening to it last fall because I was for for a different publication. I was working on a story about it, mm-hmm. and just the the every time I listened, like I it got to the point where I was like I listened to it several days in a row, but I I was like looking forward to listening to it again because it was just right. like almost like a spiritual experience. Yeah, no, it it's that good. 
and as you yeah. said, as you said, it kind of wraps up an era for him in a really beautiful. It way. does, yeah. And that's actually an interesting segue to take there because uh, the next record I chose is kind of this was my record. It's more about sort of playing with the fire, like kind of you know when you might lick your fingers and sort of touch touch the edge of the flame uh, when you're sort mm-hmm. of toying with fire. And it's Noi, a experimental German art rock band that broke off from Kraftwerk's original lineup. And this was their third LP and their final for their original formation. I have to say it would be pronounced Noi because there's an exclamation point. I'll say Noi for the rest of the podcast uh in a normal volume but they're one of those bands that i hear them and i'm surprised that i never heard them before they're a very they're a couple weeks back discovery for me uh when my guitarist in my band uh, whose name is also jeff pointed me their way because uh, we're always showing each other uh different stuff and you listen to this record at noise 75 and you hear aspects that later attribute to like talking heads records to public image limited to radiohead to mogwai like you just mm. hear like the fucking history of music from like 77 on popping up and then it's called noise 75 because it's released in 1975 so the first half right. is moody and ambient uh, and a little more like uh the the other uh german art rock happening right then but you turn it over and it was actually kind of um controversial because the second half is this really abrasive you know what we'd call now proto-punk and right now it just sort of sounds like yeah this is kind of like proto-punk but of course in 1975 it's sort of uh this new thing happening a new wave it's just such an awesome mix of energy uh happening on this record and it just sort of i've been i past couple days i i listened to this record about five or six or seven times and i'm just again always blown away that it's taking place in 1975 yeah it was really ahead of its time and uh i think one of the one of the coolest things about it is the fact that it sort of has these two very distinct halves yeah um and you know that second half is 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 kind of punk it's it's uh yeah it rocks pretty hard which which um you know their first album uh the self-titled record does not um kind of dive that much into those the sorts of textures but um that being said i think my favorite song on the record is the first one easy Mm -hmm. um especially just that those synth hooks toward toward the end are just amazing it's really i it, it's just funny how you have like in the post-rock world you have bands striving to reach that sound and then mm-hmm. a lot of critics calling that something brand new but you know you look back on this first half and yeah you can experiment you can push this sound in different ways but they they were achieving that sound back then and you know definitely eons ahead of their time so yeah i'm really right i had to throw something that's a new discovery for me i've been really impressed by it so one to push it out a little further. Definitely, if you've never heard of Noise, you should definitely check out everything you've done, but particularly this record. So my last Essential Winter record um, actually comes at, at a, an interesting coincidental time. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because, um, I don't know, you may have heard the news, but Bjork just kind of surprisingly dropped a brand new album. It's out there right now. You can listen to it. You can buy it. You might call it uh, Bjorkance. <laughs> there you go. Bjorkance. Um, and so, so, so this one, you know, Bjork being from Iceland, um, which is known for being 
you know, icy. But uh, this album, <laughs> in particular, is is a kind of a perfect winter record. When I listen to it, you know, I can almost like see the the vapor coming off of my breath. It's homogenic. Came out in 1997, and it's actually a very it's a it's it's one of her most orchestrated records. There's a lot of really kind of big arrangements in it, so it's a very lush mm-hmm. record. But there's also sort of this I don't know kind of chilly feeling you get that you know makes you just kind of want to wrap up in a blanket. Um, in particular, the song Bachelorette, I think, might be the best thing she's ever written. It's just uh, an amazing song, and um, you know, it, it, I'm transported to a faraway uh, glacier when when I listen to it. And yeah, the wrap up our our winter records are fireside LPs. Uh, I'm going to do uh, a record that's sort of my dancing by the fire record. It's Electric Lady by Janelle Monet. Anyone who reads anything I write or talks to me about music will know that I am in love with Janelle Monet's full length debut, Arc Android. I uh, think it's a amazing record almost flawless record electric lady i really enjoyed i gave it a great review i've always really appreciated it but i've sort of been giving it that visit a couple years later um listening to it all over christmas break and it's been a really big winter uh break album for me and now it might even i might even like it more it's just a really warm and revitalizing record uh, that I think has has taken Monet's ability to have a lot of fun and incorporate all these sci-fi elements and tell a story to another level while also being more evocative and effective in, in the pop music aspect, if that makes sense. The more I listen to it, the more I'm convinced that like mm-hmm. Prince actually died a while ago and they took away his magic guitar powers and gave them to St. Vincent and they took everything else and gave it to uh, Janelle <laughs> Monet because I, I just um, did not think I could like a Janelle Monet record more than I already did and just diving in a couple years later has really proven me wrong so i doubt we have too many listeners who haven't at all checked this record out but i it's definitely worth exploring uh and and in particular uh the song what an experience the closer on this record i think it's a sleeper it can kind of seem like more like a mellow ballad at first but when you really uh give it a chance to take over your ears a little more it becomes something pretty special album and i love that track excellent choice so we're gonna um move just two years into the future back to 2015 but we're doing some new releases and i think i can say with doubt for both me and jeff our most anticipated record of 2015 has already come and passed yep it's here it's kind of a a weird experience but um and i'm pretty sure we're both seeing this band as soon as possible 
uh, and driving far distances to do so, right? Am I correct in that? Well, I'm driving to Los Angeles. That's not super far. So that's not too far yeah. for you. No, but that's not too it's, far. It's a couple hours, and it's not until May. I, I don't know how I'm going to wait that long. My, I'm, I'm going in February, so it's a trade-off. Oh, I'm going in February, but to Milwaukee. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that's a little farther, I uh, which think. Is, yeah. Yeah, well, it was like Milwaukee or Nashville, and the timing for Milwaukee worked best. So that's where, yeah, like four-hour drive. But, of course, uh, that's to see Slater Kenny uh, on this tour for No Cities to Love, which I am loving as a record. Uh, I've read your thoughts on it. You probably read and listened to mine. But mm-hmm. uh, tell the listeners just real quick what you thought of uh, No Cities to Love. So No Cities to Love is, uh, obviously, I, I loved it. It's It's our... Um, album of the week right now um mm-hmm. and it's uh it's an album that it kind of has the power and the in the the intensity of their last one the woods but it also kind of has the freewheeling kind of loose feeling that some of their earlier records like all hands on the bad one have um mm-hmm. which makes it i think almost like just exactly the sleater kinney album that we would have wanted you know it's the right it's the right combination of familiarity and taking new risks and it's 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 all i could ask for really absolutely and if you follow the career over the last 10 years of these three women you you uh get everything they've done brought into this project as well you know it's not it's not just coming back to 10 years ago we're going to be sleater kennedy again they've incorporated everything from you know from wild flag from other solo projects and that sort of thing The most interesting observation for me was, again, uh, talking about my guitarist in my band. He was not that aware of Sleater Kenny before. And I, I said, oh, they're getting back together. You, you should uh, be, be checking them out and uh, that sort of thing. And so he's been catching up on the records. And I think he skipped a couple mm-hmm. um, coming up to this one because, you know, it was on NPR. And he's like, I'm just going to stream this one. And he might have jumped from like the hot rock to this one. And he's like, wow, the drumming has really stepped up a notch. And that's true. Like, uh, I, I remember the drums on The Woods, you know, and how mm-hmm. that's always going to be like my Sleater Kenny drum record insanity on the drums on that LP but really the the energy on all three of their instruments on this record has come a long way like you said has gone through that filter of the way they were writing songs and in the front half of their career and then you kind of Mm -hmm. bring those those types of songs through the woods and you kind of get this weird kaleidoscope of all those sounds that Mm -hmm. um I can only imagine what hearing this record is like if you didn't hear anything Cedar Kenny did before, because it blew me away having heard their whole discography um, several right. times over. So I just anyone who says this is not a fantastic rock record who gives it like <laughs> less than an A minus or something like that, I, I I might revoke your rock critic license, and I wouldn't say that very often, but uh, <laughs> I I don't see many mistakes, and I was looking for them because um, I yeah. always I always want to be disappointed by a reunion. Jeff, but um, <laughs> you look—you look for disappointment. You live for disappointment. I—I I really just love hating life, um, <laughs> but. You know, I love life listening to Sleater Kinney. So, um, yeah, love this record. Sleater Kinney is, yeah, Sleater Kinney is one of those bands that they're they're just kind of basically, I sort of look at them as, as the 
the best rock band we have right now and yeah and i i don't see how anyone could disagree with that really and the rock band we deserve oh absolutely well some people don't deserve them but but i think i well, think we the, the rock band i deserve the rock band <laughs> i deserve yes <laughs> so the next the next album uh that that we're going to talk about um that we've i think both been enjoying is the new album yeah by uh, Los Angeles singer-songwriter Jessica Pratt, who she put out, if you don't know about Jessica Pratt, she put out a self-titled debut album in 2012 that was basically a demo. It was t- Tim Presley from White Fence. He he offered to put, put the record out on his label, um, just like a 500-copy vinyl run, and it ended up selling out in like a week. Before she knew it, she became kind of this you know hype artist and she hadn't even been playing that many shows so everything Mm -hmm. kind of accelerated quickly but in the last two years um you know she has really and that was a great album but this album is even more impressive there's a lot of uh psychedelic elements lots of dreamy kind of cool sounds and the title of it i should probably mention is called on your own love again yeah this is a great record i i enjoyed her debut as well but you know there's the there's the folk revival in like the 60s and 70s and then there's kind of been a folk revival of that revival happening uh for the past little while in in indie folk Mm -hmm. and i i am often sort of impressed by what those like tim presley is a great example i'm usually impressed by what white fence is going for but it's always difficult for me to or with ty seagal or anyone who's sort of re-entering that sort of psychedelia and that sort of freak folk or whatever genre they seem to be attaching Mm -hmm. to, depending on the record. I appreciate what they're doing, but I'm always reminded of who they're imitating more. You know, I'm like, oh, this this sounds like a folky Rolling Stones record or that, you know, like, uh, but with Jessica Pratt, and I think it's her voice, like, I don't hear anyone but her. It just sounds, and she's kind of a shapeshifter with her voice as well. Um, The fact Mm -hmm. that she can captivate mostly with the acoustic six string in her voice for 30 minute record and keep you on edge is amazing. Uh, And, but that being said, I do appreciate the flourishes she's added on this record w- with the occasional electric guitar the, uh, and the can't remember all the instruments she uses, but she does some overdubs that I think uh, are tasteful when mm-hmm. when they're in there. she does a lot with a little yeah these aren't like they don't have a lot of drums or string arrangements or you know crazy solos or anything these are these are pretty stripped down they're pretty spare songs and yet she fills that space so well um, that it doesn't feel like anything's missing at all we're not talking about simon the garfunkel uh the the bass and drums and electric guitar kick in at full speed halfway through the song or anything right like that. right <laughs> the, re- um, the yeah, remix of uh sounds of silence yeah yeah which which launched your career like you know it's, it's good yeah, for them, it was but, big it was big yeah but I, you know yeah that that's another podcast i could that's have true. feelings about that yeah we don't, um, we don't have time for that today, but next time maybe. Don't have time. Yeah. What we do have time for is to talk about uh, Pan the Bear Meets the Grim Reaper, um, which is the name of the latest uh, Noah Lennox uh, Pan the Bear record of you know, animal collective fame. I think Pan the Bear is 
just about as well of a known name as Animal Collective, if not more, at this point in the in the music sphere. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got to rattle on twice now about this record. Uh, what did you think of it? I liked it a lot, um, and I I'm I don't know that I I think I was expecting to like it, but I was also sort of setting myself up for disappointment because I wasn't crazy about yeah. the last Animal Collective record, Centipede Hurts. No. It was okay, you know, but it sort of seemed like after Meriwether post Pavilion, they were losing a little bit of their a little bit of their way. But Panda Bear did not. Uh, Noah Lennox does an amazing job on this one, and I I like that he added more pop and dance elements to this one. So there's a little bit more momentum to it, a little more more energy, and it mm-hmm. just kind of feels alive in a way that um, that I'm I'm just really into. And and this is a record that I've I've been spinning a lot lately, and I. I, w- I didn't even really have high expectations for it, but but uh, it yeah, I've been pleased with what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the dance elements, and if if you isolate in your head just the, the drum beats on this record, you have American hip hop beats. You know, um, and right. if you if you listen to or you read interviews of Noah going into this record, he that was a big inspiration for him. And I really think it clicked to sort of bring along this combination and. And I do think it's reflective of an album like Meriwether Post Pavilion, where you're kind of combining these really atmospheric, ambient, kind of insane, you know, pop insanity elements, uh, mm-hmm. sound experimentation elements, but then you're making them really flavorful and really fun in a pop accessible way. And to me, that even, you know, I said in my re- both of my reviews that to me, that even makes it weirder uh, in that. You know, mm-hmm. you're listening, and you get halfway through this album, and you're like, "Oh, well, well, these songs have dropped a beat, and all of a sudden they're more experimental. They're not as poppy." And then you think, "Wait, that last twenty minutes or so is pop now? I'm calling that pop." You know, like uh, <laughs> the fact that I listen to this record and I think this is a pop record through and through, um, mm-hmm. when it has some really depressing content, it has some really experimental music going on all throughout. Uh, I think that means Animal Collective has won. They accomplished their mission in that <laughs> this is now, you know, I'm expecting, uh, you know, the next uh, Maroon 5 collaboration to be with Animal Collective or something now. <laughs> you know, th- that's who oh, they're going to copy now. Yeah, that's who they'll <laughs> copy next. You know, not a collaboration, but, you know, uh, instead yeah. of Mumford and Sons, they'll be imitating this record. And that's probably not true, but the fact that I can even make a joke like that, I think, is saying they've done something pretty cool in the pop music sphere that. As an Animal Collective fan um, from way back in the day uh, when I was in high school, never would have imagined that Panda Bear would be like a A-list indie pop celebrity. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so but I think it's cool. He's definitely one of one of the one of the big big ticket names out there right now, and um, yeah, and he didn't he didn't disappoint us. So so kudos, no. Panda Bear, kudos. Well, that more or less wraps it up for us today, but I, we do have one more topic to discuss. You know, since since we just got a new Sleater Kinney album that took 10 years to get here, and we just got a new yeah. D'Angelo record, which we also are really stoked on, that took 15 years to get here, mm-hmm. almost 15 years, there's still some stuff out there that we haven't gotten yet. So, AT, what album are you still waiting for? Uh, Jeff and I were internetting about this earlier today, and I encountered a problem because I realized that 
although I can be a pretty uh, critical, you know, music critic, uh, through this conversation, I found that I'm very rewarding and patient of bands once they break up because because Jeff Jeff was instigating me like, what about a Fugazi record or all these bands that are already broken up? And thinking about myself, uh, I'm thinking, well, as long as they're doing the evens or as long as Leader Kenny was you, know, they are doing Wild Flag and whatnot, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> but so I had to think deep, and I think what really irritates me is when the band is together for a really really long time and they stay together, but they just don't put anything out. And there's two bands that do this that are finally coming out with a record, Modest Mouse being one that they were. They were together pretty much the entire time Slater Kinney wasn't together, and it still took them about the same length to come out with a new album. Uh, <laughs> and Light- Lightning Bolt as well, they've they've been six years since a proper LP, but th- those are both coming out. So the third one I could think of that we still don't have official word on the record is Brand New. Um, mm. Mm, always a fan right. of their earlier work. I, mean, I even remember before The Devil and God Are Raging Inside of Me came out, that record was kind of teased for a while and like several versions of those songs leaked for years before they finally came out with the record and then there were kind of three long years before Daisy and then we've had five or six years of pretty much that entire time from like 2011 on they've been saying oh we're in the studio we're we're releasing a record so they starting in November they're teasing again that they're in the studio but I don't believe it till I see it but I'm looking forward to whatever they put out and when if they eventually do because when they really try their hardest they do put forth some pretty powerful emo tinted post hardcore you know I'm, uh, the past couple releases have kind of had that vibe and I'd like to see where that goes so come on brand new cool well they are playing Coachella so that's yeah the, yeah they play sh- they've been playing shows for like six years but they're doing something yeah. uh, now the album that I'm I've been waiting for and we might fingers crossed actually get it this year <sighs> Is the new album by the Wrens? Yeah, and they've they've been teasing it. They've been kind of doing the social media thing, saying, "Hey, we just signed with the new label. We just finished the album, but eh, it's not here yet." So you know, um, it's been 11, 12 years since the Meadowlands came out, which, truth be told, is so good an album that it's gonna be hard to top. But I'm holding out hope that they they have something special. I mean, they certainly took their time with it, so yeah, I guess we'll find out. No, definitely looking forward to that. A whole slew of awesome records set to come out in 2015. So, yeah, we got a good year coming. All right. Well, thank you for listening. This has been the Audiophile Podcast. Yeah, and check out, you know, if you're cold, check out some of those fireside winter records and stay warm, internet. Pour yourself a brandy, curl up on the bearskin rug, and relax. You have a bearskin rug? Uh, it's not you real. You are selling that to finance the website. <laughs> That was kind of awkward. Yeah, let's uh, let's, let's, let, yeah, let's restart. Let's start over. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. 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 Okay.